is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, the vest-wearing, ring-bearing, son-of-a-son-of-a-salesman. Casino gambling is my side hustle, and this is our Casino Combat Podcast. Okay, trust me everyone, the games are about to begin. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary persons, Mia with the yellow ball stuck under the couch. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline phone number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and we will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. Okay, this is going to be a longer intro than than normal. So let me do the basics first, just real quick for everybody. No core concept segment this week. We need to do a gambling with Gabriel so I can catch you up on a bunch of things I find interesting in his crafts experiment. We have a casino wisdom inspired by a smarter man than myself, the walking Wikipedia. We traveled... I gambled, which means I have results and observations to share with you in our travel segment. In the VIP lounge, I'm going to tell you about the first time I went to Las Vegas and the first casino hack I ever created. And I'll tell you the number of casino chips I think you can find in this episode. And between now and the VIP lounge, I'll tell you what to look for to find casino chips in the podcast so you know what I'm talking about by the time we get there. Look, everyone, I am excited. I am fired up. I have been wanting to do this podcast for about three or four days now. I really hope this is going to be fun. When I started creating this podcast, I built in surprises that I hoped people would discover over time. One of those surprises is a game from my longtime casino friends. The call signs or nicknames that I give to everyone lets all of them play a game like, who is this, who am I, as they discover and listen to the podcast. Look, I used to see many of these people weekly, almost daily, but now some of them I haven't seen in months. So it's been fun as word of mouth has spread to get phone calls saying, am I the walking Wikipedia? Or another guy called and said, look, who's Gabriel? Do I know Gabriel? So this has been a really fun game, kind of the inside group has been playing. And as I said, for about a month, there's another game. In fact, there are two more games. I'm going to tell you about both of them. There's another game I thought some of you might decide to play. And that game had some triggers that if they happened, I would reveal the game. And this week, the very gracious golden fan who found us on Facebook was telling Billy with the great last name that she is trying to figure out which casino is TRG's home casino. And that is, in fact, a game you can play with this podcast. I always tell you things as accurately and factually as I can from a certain point of view. So any travel times or distances that I've described have been accurate. I have also truthfully labeled the reward systems that I have shared with you. The rules of this game say that when the game starts, I will tell you the label I use for the casino I consider my home casino, and that if at any point I feel that my home casino has changed, I will announce that as well. I consider Casino 2 in the 2 Casino Cluster to be my home casino. This has changed three times during the podcast, and I think the reasoning might be interesting to some of you. When I started this podcast as lockdown was ending, I considered my local casino my home casino. I wasn't completely happy with several aspects of it, but it was a fun place to hang out as well as an acceptable place to play. And I took trips several times a year to various Caesars properties for more serious gambling. By about episode four, I was considering Casino One 
in the two-casino cluster, my home casino. I was getting a room comp anytime I wanted one. We got a nice dinner comp without asking as, as a, a gesture for our anniversary. And I was finding that a lot of the people I knew eight, ten years ago were still there. So it was comfortable. Then a few episodes ago, Casino One needed to charge me $99 to stay plus resort fee. And on the same night, Casino Two was willing to do a hotel room for free. And Casino Two has a nicer hotel, if I'm being honest. No offense to my long longtime friends at Casino One. And Casino Two is part of a chain that gives points. The rules are slightly better there. And it's a My Choice Rewards property. All pluses in my point of view. The reward system at Casino One isn't associated with anything else that's particularly useful. And the icing on the cake was finding out that they had a great steakhouse that we had missed because it has its own floor overlooking the gaming floor. And they have a VIP lounge that is open when we get to that level in the reward system. They have the most beautiful high limit room, even though it isn't currently open, that I would love to play in. Yeah, I mean, I'm serious. It leaves places like, no offense, I love the Flamingo, but it leaves the, the, the high limit room of the Flamingo in the dust. And it's just out in the Midwest. If it's not the best high limit room I've ever seen, top five for sure. And in five months, we've built enough of a relationship with this property to have a standing offer of two one-night stays a month, fully comped. We are receiving solid money to gamble with, free slot play, that kind of stuff, and nice gifts. So, Magnificent Matt, Magic Marcy, the casino where we met is not my home casino. But I would think, if you have continued to listen, you have a big advantage over everyone else in playing this game if you decide you want to play. So, you are looking for the name of Casino 2 to play this game. If you think you figure it out, email me via trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, excluding people that already know me in real life and are kind of part of this, the first 10 people to figure it out will be named a founding member of the Casino Combat Inner Circle and will receive a custom limited edition t-shirt or polo. And that's just a thank you for playing along. I'm assuming it's going to take a while for 10 people to care enough to try to figure this out. But we're all going to find out together, and that should be fun too. Also, if you are playing, you may want to follow me on Instagram. T-Rex has me up to speed a little bit on how that all works, and... I'm going to be using it. In fact, this past week, I started posting images that may help as I go about my week. So on Instagram, I'm Gambler Ramblin'. All the social media links are on the website, CasinoCombat.com. And don't forget, the Bootcamp playlist on YouTube is unique content if you want to review any of the basics of the core concepts. But wait, there's more! <laughs> I'm also announcing another mini-game that is built into the podcast. I hope you have noticed that there are pop culture references. A lot of movies, people call them Easter eggs. Well, we're going to call those little pop culture references casino chips, and they're found in every podcast. Going forward, at the end of every episode, I will tell you how many casino chips I think are in the podcast. If any of you care, email me, and I will be happy to sort out the numbers for all the previous episodes and make sure everybody has that information too if they want to play along that way. If you think you can find that number of casino chips, so at the end of this podcast, I say there are 12 casino chips hidden in the podcast. If you find 12, or you think you found 12, you're welcome to email me a description of each one and what you think it's in reference to. And I'll confirm and or correct your list. No prizes at this point, 
but let's see what the level of interest is. So there's my overly long introduction segment today. I'm really glad someone found the games and we get to start playing. I hope some of you are interested enough to, to jump in and try to try to do some of this. So let's go gambling with Gabriel. Before I get into this material, I want to I want to acknowledge how much of a team effort this is, and team effort in a bunch of ways. My uh, my lovely and talented, hardworking wife, Mrs. TRG, puts up with a fair amount and acts as a sounding board for me, kind of all the time, and that's got to be a little trying. And she's a good sport about it. Uh, of course, I've got T Rex and Billy with the great last name who just volunteered their time not getting any money out of it, just out of a sense of friendship. And, and they're helping me with a variety of the behind the scenes stuff. And then I've got, you know, all my, my casino friends that I've made over the years who are all chipping in in various ways, whether it's ideas or concepts or observations or reviews or some of the early email questions that people they know listened and, and, and provided. It, it really has been a, a, a team effort involving a, a, a lot of people. And coincidentally with me doing this, Gabriel decided to test Kraft's strategies. And he enjoyed himself, and he's been generous and accurate in sharing his techniques and his results. And we all benefit from his willingness to share. Now, a quick disclaimer. Gabriel isn't precisely using what I teach as Casino Combat. He's directly helped create the Casino Combat process and its concepts. He is a founding member of the Casino Combat team, but his methods are his own. Another way of saying that would have been, we're friends, we help each other get better. But he does his things that he has designed. If I ever come across you in any way as feeling like you do it my way or you're not doing it right, that's not what I ever intend. I'm not trying to go there. There are plenty of approaches to casino gambling and a variety of definitions of success. Starting with, it's fun and I have some entertainment money I don't mind losing. I think good players can learn from each other and modify their approach as they see fit over time. I'm offering casino combat to the world as a set of tools that work well for me. A beginner could start with those as a foundation and have a functional starting point to modify over time to suit themselves. Skilled players may find things to add to what they already do or adjust to what they already do. Anyway, that was a long disclaimer. I think we might look forward to me going a little long uh, on most of this today. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so Gabriel's been refining his craps approach pretty consistently since episode 17. And he has convinced me that a bankroll size of $2,100 for a $25 table, and now that's divided by three to get three tables, of course, is more than enough for the strategy he is using. So he's $700 per buy-in. Now that's a bigger number than, than what we feel is needed at a $25 blackjack table, but it is certainly not a huge impossible number for a variety of people to come up with. And there are $10 tables in the area, in my area at least, which would require a bankroll less than half that size. More importantly, this number is about a third of what we calculated as a bankroll requirement when he started talking about his experiment. Gabriel also has identified several useful parts of the game that I was never going to see in a computer simulation. Now, one of those is that some players are better dice throwers than others. There are millions of theories, 
about dice control, dice sets, dice strategies. But if you can spot someone good, you can quickly benefit. Also, since you don't have to bet on every throw, you can choose when to bet on someone and when not to. Gabriel has a great example uh, of an individual he's been playing with that because of various physical conditions, age, etc., are barely able to throw the dice from one end of the table to the other. It makes for a very frustrating environment to him. He doesn't like all the constant miss throws, so he just doesn't wager when that person has the dice. It's not a big deal. It's part of the game. So this is skill coming into the process of gambling. Skill in throwing dice, skill in evaluating other players, skill in learning and remembering shooters in a casino you are in regularly. I always look for situations where skill can change the pure odds. So a smaller bankroll requirement and several skill aspects. All things that make this a little more interesting and perhaps useful to me. Another thing I would never see in a simulation is that compared to blackjack, craps players get barrels of tier credits, and tier credits equal imaginary money. When Gabriel started this experiment, he and I had kind of the same number of tier credits at this casino. And both of us had kind of sadly and dejectedly admitted that with the current conditions at this casino, we were not going to remain in the top two tiers of the reward system. And that's something we have both been in the entire time we've known each other. We've known each other for years, and we were always tier three, tier four in, in their four-tier system. And that's always where the good stuff starts. Well, the points are so good in craps that since he started this experiment, not only did Gabriel reach tier three, just this past week, he also reached tier four. And this is with about $60 on the table as a starting set of multiple bets. Tier credits determine status and comps, and his comps are starting to increase. We did a rough calculation, and it looks like the amount of imaginary money he is generating each month would be enough to have dinner twice a month at a variety of very nice top-end restaurants in the area. And this is simply a matter of him calling his host and asking for some of that imaginary money in the form of a food comp. Once live events are back, it is imaginary money that can become sports and concert tickets. As long as he can find ways to enjoy using that imaginary money, it's just like having real money. Who cares? Who cares what kind of money pays for the dinner or the concert tickets? Is the concert any less fun? Actually, probably more fun for me. A, a, a big name concert where the casino let me pay with imaginary money that they gave me for taking their money? Yes, please. Thank you very much. So if this holds up, then at this casino, Gabriel's going to generate thousands of dollars of imaginary dollar comps over the course of a year. So I ask you, if you lose $100 a month and you generate $500 of value in your life from imaginary money, did you win or did you lose? Look, we all need to decide that for ourselves. I mean, I guess that's the way it has to be. I can't tell you how to feel. But what I am going to tell you is I would do that all the time. I would gamble over the course of a month, lose $100, and to have $500 to f spend on dinners I wouldn't normally buy, and to go to events, and I'd use it for high-end stuff, right? I'd use it for high-end meals, I'd use it for the best floor seats for basketball games, all those types of things. At this point, Gabriel's losses have been less than his table buy-ins, which is a casino combat core concept, right? We're trying to have a little extra when we leave the table, and if nothing else, it gives us part of a bankroll to start back up again. 
he has had a range of wins from mostly nothing to wow, that's amazing. Since he made his most recent set of adjustments to his process, he seems to be winning more than he is losing. And he's generating those other benefits and those future benefits. Now, this is a small sample size, but there are many positive aspects to this from what I'm seeing so far. And he's having fun, and he's not dealing with the lack of blackjack tables this property currently has available. So, the gamble with Gabriel, craps experiment continues. He's getting good results. We're all getting to learn things from it, unless you're craps players, and then you already knew it, and shame on you for not reaching out to me before Gabriel did and offering me your wisdom as well. And so that's what we're going to do next. Our Casino Wisdom is also a team effort this week. Let's do that now. Casino Wisdom number 67 is on deck today. Emotional control is perhaps the most important casino skill. Don't play in negative emotional situations. So the walking Wikipedia has listened to a few episodes of Casino Combat now. And he called this week to share his observations. So once again, this is a team effort. I'm just relaying good information from an expert. Someone I consider an expert. You see, the walking Wikipedia was learning to be good at casino gambling before I was old enough to drive. He is knowledgeable in virtually all subjects, and he has a joke or a story for almost any situation. So we are all fortunate that he is willing to share his knowledge and experience with us through me. The Walking Wikipedia was telling me that he considered dealing with your own emotions one of the most difficult and important parts of being good at casino gambling. Now I agree with him. I created all of these various systems and techniques to eliminate as much emotion as possible from the gambling process. I'm leaving when X condition occurs. No emotion. That's a great example. So the only emotions I try to have in the casino are positive ones. I enjoy winning. I enjoy cheering for winning. I enjoy watching other people winning. But what the walking Wikipedia taught me is that this applies to other aspects of playing blackjack that I had not considered. One of his illustrations was when someone at third base or the last position on the blackjack table is making random plays playing hands wrong, or worse, playing hands in a different way every time based on a hunch or a feeling. Now, walking Wikipedia is smart enough as a player to know that this type of play really has no mathematical statistical impact on his results, but he finds it annoying, and it creates negative emotions for him. So he usually avoids playing at tables with that situation occurring. For me, it's players who are having a bad run and are mad or angry at the world and complaining about everything that happens. I find another table fairly quickly if they appear to have any amount of money in front of them. Now over time, you can identify the situations that you need to avoid. If you find something about a casino activity causing you to be angry, frustrated, mad, sad, you can change that. You can change that for yourself. Players have to control everything they can control. I think this week's travel results contain some useful observations. Let's do the travel segment and we can talk through those. So last week's episode wrapped up the month of October 2020 and November started the very next day. On Sunday, as we were checking out of our new home hotel, we checked the kiosk in the lobby 
just real quick to make sure there wasn't anything special going on in the casino that maybe we'd take advantage of before we left. Turns out, I had a roller bag waiting for me. So a nice little piece of luggage. You know, of course, I stopped in to pick that up. You know, it's two-minute walk, three-minute walk. Look, it's a very nice bag and, and a nice way to start the new month. The rest of the week was pretty standard. I don't mean it was a grind um, or boring. For me, it was fun and it was interesting. I picked up a coffee maker early in the week. I ran my Wednesday casino route from a customer to two different slot casinos, and I picked up free stuff and free money and free food all along the way. I got to see Trucker Mike at one point, and he and I may actually be making a Caesars trip together in a few weeks. I did see one rather rare situation playing at the local casino. I was playing with my good friend Jumpin' Jack Flash, and he was generating some pretty big action for the main floor. So the dealer was all, always calling over the floor to send out multiple black or purple chips. Those are 100 or $500 chips. So it was constantly sending three black, sending a purple, and then the floor comes over and the floor checks that the dealer's doing everything right because they don't want mistakes like that to get made. And after doing that a few times, the floor says, anything less than 1000 just go ahead and send it. I know all these guys. Now the biggest reason this stood out to me was that one, it's kind of rare on the main floor, but like 10 minutes earlier, this floor approved a payout that was double what it should be. So the dealer made a mistake, then the floor told her the mistake was okay, and Jumpin' Jack Flash had to correct the dealer and the floor. In my opinion, that team at that moment needed an extra check, not one less. But maybe given how good the other players there were besides myself and Jumpin' Jack, maybe us players were the other check. He may have trusted us that much. That'd be nice, actually. So the weekend, we did the two-and-a-half-hour drive to our home casino. And watch the flow of the gambling here as I describe it. Because in many ways, while there was a lot of rough patches, this is also a template for somewhat how that can get navigated and work itself out. So I lost some money, and Mrs. TRG won a little at our first table. And since I exited early... I used my free slot play while she was finishing up her session, and we won some money. It was really too early for dinner, but we had a plan, so we got a little light food early. And at the second table, Mrs. TRG exited early, and I won some money back. And we split up for a little while because of how the seating was set up, and we had very mixed results. Now, we had loved the steakhouse the week before, but we didn't think that we had a budget for it a second week in a row. But we did go for a late night appetizer, dessert, and martini session. Partially to take a break, but also because currently alcohol can only be sold with food in that particular state. Everything was very nice. You know, really, I, I want to tell you the name of the restaurant because I, I really would love to promote them. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful restaurant. It was a fun, quiet couple's time kind of at the end of the week. We did a quick review as we were getting ready to get back on the floor and determined that we had lost and spent just a little more than a half a day's pay at that point. And that includes the very yummy martinis and the dessert and the appetizers. So we agreed to one more table. And if we lost roughly three quarters of our buy-ins, we'd get out. And if we won enough money to get us a few hours pay as profit after expenses, that would be great and we would be done we were willing to settle for a very small profit. So at this last, potentially last table, I'm winning pretty consistently, and Mrs. TRG is struggling. But I've got enough in front of me that the team is okay. So as I'm trying to hold off her losses, 
we both start winning. And I'm winning progressively. I'm pressing as I'm winning. And we're catching some action hands. And the dealer's busting a little more. And I kind of realized that she's gone from being down a good bit with me making up her losses to having a decent little win of her own. And that meant all of my units were profit. So we pretty quickly hit the eject button, got up, took our money, thanked everybody, and after expenses, finished with a profit for that trip of a day's pay. Keep in mind, that's after tips and a dinner with expensive snacks and dessert with some top-shelf martinis and a breakfast the next day. A side hustle that allows you to live a casino lifestyle and make a profit. How would you rather make a day's pay on your Saturday? Think about it for yourself. I don't know the answer. For me, this is perfect. For us, this is absolutely great. We would much rather do this to earn a day's pay than any of the other work things we could get. Being a hostess somewhere, working in a shoe store, working retail, blah, 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 blah. This is a much better way for us to make a day's pay. We received a hotel room, a couple of gifts, gift cards, some meals, the whole bit. The gambling had some fun moments, and it's always basically fun to do it, even if it's just eh, your basic average night out in the Midwest. Solid techniques, solid exit strategies. At this pace, we would finish the month with profits equal to a week's pay, which is where a couple of the other months finished. Let's head to the VIP lounge and find out how many casino chips are in this episode. A little bit of the bubbly. All right. I love it when the lounge is open. Help yourself, everyone. If you're just joining us for the first time, we have virtual beer, wine, still and sparkling water, artisanal pop, handcrafted sodas. Of course, plenty of virtual top shelf bottles as well. I wanted to share today the story of the first trip Mrs. TRG and I made to Las Vegas. There's a much longer version of this story, and you'd probably end up hearing it if we were sitting in an actual lounge with cocktails in front of us. But I'm going to start with the short version to focus on the first casino hack I ever created. And I'm sure others have created it too. I'm sure it's not a TRG exclusive. We went to Las Vegas for our honeymoon for a variety of reasons unrelated to gambling. But as I shared in my origin story, I had done a computer simulation several years earlier in college and learned the basics of blackjack and card counting. So I dusted off that book to reread it. I also read a bunch of other books on Las Vegas. Playing this honeymoon was my only responsibility in planning the wedding, and I was a young man who had never been on a vacation with a woman and who'd never flown on a commercial airplane. It turned out I had done some good research because I knew how to handle all kinds of casino customs and habits like I'd been there before. I knew how to get better seats at shows, better seats at restaurants, that kind of thing. I got to play some $2 blackjack, which was very common back at that point in the late 80s. I was as good or better than most of the people I played with. In a couple cases, right off the jump, I ended up being the guy that was being asked, how should I play this? What's the right play here? I gotta tell you that the very first table I ever played at, I gotta tell you that the very first table I ever played at, a man joins me wearing a heavy trench coat. This is Las Vegas in August, by the way. He's lugging a suitcase. He buys in for $1,000, quickly loses it, then for another $1,000, quickly loses that, and as he's leaving, says, wow, I'm out two grand, and I'm just waiting to check in. Now, as I said, this is the late 80s, and I'm a beginner playing $2 hand. 
he just lost more money than I paid and brought with me for this vacation. So I'm, I'm stunned. I'm way, way, way above my level here. Anyway, the casino hack. That's what I told you I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the casino hack. We wanted to be in the casino, right, at night. We'd do touristy stuff. We'd go to shows. We'd go to dinners. You know, we'd, we'd sightsee. But we wanted to be in the casino at night, and we wanted to be doing casino things. My wife didn't yet know how to play blackjack, and we really didn't have a lot of money to lose. So how do we solve this? At the beginning of the trip, the idea was, okay, we'd grab a couple beers at the bar and just kind of hang out and wander around, and that was all fine. But it turns out that two beers at the casino bar is a lot more expensive than the kind of places that we would normally buy beers at that point. Now, I know now that this is encouraged to encourage people to gamble. They make the cost of a, a, a drink or a beer at the, at the bar so, so high that your instinct is, well, I might as well go gamble some to get free drinks. So sipping purchased beers and watching the crowd wasn't really going to work very well. So I invented a little casino hack that we call playing roulette for drinks. I think at the time, in that casino in Las Vegas, you had to have at least $2 in action to play. But those could be in units of 50 cents, maybe even 25 cents. So we'd buy in for $20, and then one of us would bet on the even bet and maybe a third of the field and our anniversary date. And then the other would bet red and a different third of the field and maybe a mother's birthday. We didn't expect, we weren't even trying, we were making no effort to win money. Not the goal. We just wanted to see how long we could stay at the table each night, how long we could enjoy that atmosphere, and how many free beers could we get for our 20 bucks. And if we got more free beers for our 20 bucks than we would have spent on beer at the bar, we felt like we were winners in that little small sense. And it was a fun game to play. How long could we last? I think the one time, and, and I'm pulling this out of the dim recesses of memory here, everybody. But I think the one time we played for over two hours, getting getting free beers brought to us every 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and, and that was a really fun way to do that. Um, and then all the real fun kind of extra bonus thing is that a few years ago, my oldest son's fiance was going to be in Las Vegas. And as she was getting ready to leave, she was like, "Any anything you can tell me, any of this, any of that, I really don't want to gamble, but I, I'm going to be in casinos. And so I shared this little thing with her. And she went out and did the same thing, you know, in the modern era, if you will. That's a pretty bold name. But she tried it out. She ran out of money. And two other gentlemen at the bar basically straight up said, we're not trying to hit on you. You're young enough to be our daughter, but you're a lot of fun. You're enjoying your first time in Vegas. Here's some chips. Keep playing with us. Have fun. We enjoy having you here. If you need any help, let us know. And that's the way gamblers are, people. I know that sometimes if you're new to the process, it feels intimidating. It feels difficult. But her experiences matches my experiences for 30 years. Generally speaking, casino people, for the most part, are nice, happy, helpful, welcoming people one of the things I like best about it. So, ever looking for something to do in a casino? Don't really want to risk too much money? Don't really want to lose too much money? Roulette for cocktails is always an excellent game to play. So here we go. The big reveal. There are still some casino chips coming up between now and the end of this podcast, but I think that you are going to be able to find a total of 11 casino chips if you listen carefully to the entire episode. 
And as I said, if you want to play the game, feel free to send us what you think you found, and we'll be happy to confirm correct or let you guess some more. Tip your waitresses, everybody. Tip your bartenders. Tip your dealers. If you have a great session and you wanted to, you can tip your casino coach. Go to anchor.fm slash casino combat. There is an, an icon there that you can use to donate. Don't forget, we spell combat with a K. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. If you have questions, send them questions at CasinoCombat.com. If you have techniques to share, send them to what I do at CasinoCombat.com. Don't forget, we spell combat with a K. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.